When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to the Des Bishop Podcast. Greetings from my car. I am uh, parked on Clinton Street uh, near the junction of Grand Street. And it is uh, 8.02 a.m. on Thursday morning. And it is alternate side of the street parking rules are in effect. Alternate side parking rules are in effect, which means that between 8 and 9.30, I got to sit in my car, make sure I don't get a ticket, and move it out of the way if the street cleaner comes. Some people may be familiar with this because they remember the alternate side drama from... Seinfeld. So for those that don't know how the alternate side of the street parking rules work in New York City, most of the Manhattan streets have, uh, well, for, for, for streets where you can park like normal without paying, most of them have two days of the week where you can't be parked there for usually an hour and a half. So for example, where I'm parked now, it's Monday and Thursday, 8 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. The timing is not always the same. Across the street, it's uh, Tuesday and Friday. Wednesday, in general, is uh, always, you know, you can leave your car there. So, um, but listen, you guys don't need to know that. You don't need to know about the complicated system of parking in New York City. All you need to know is that we got time to chat because I am sitting in my car watching the traffic build up for people that are trying to get on the Williamsburg Bridge for people who are trying to orientate themselves as to my location. And uh, so I bought an apartment in the Seward Park Co-op development, which is kind of like a 1950s vibe. Um, Nothing fancy in terms of the building. The apartments are great, though. It's on the border of the Lower East Side and Chinatown, so I got the best of both worlds, really. I got, like, the hip Lower East Side for my, uh, you know, my latte needs. Uh, And then I got Chinatown... Or sort of the the fringes of Chinatown, sort of Fujian Chinatown, for uh, for those that are up on the different parts of China. Uh, Fujian Chinatown is uh, East Broadway. Is the I'm on I'm on the the junction of Grand and Clinton, but East Broadway is the sort of uh, the the behind the buildings uh, street, and East Broadway becomes. Uh, the sort of Fujian section of Chinatown, and some great food there. And actually, on Essex Street, which is the kind of other border of the Seward Park development. Uh, there's a park there called Seward Park, which is, you know, unrelated to my building. But anyway, uh, across from the park is uh, a place called North Dumpling or Beifang Jiaozi. And you can get 10 really tasty dumplings there for $3. So, you know, I'm in a sweet hood. Uh, and uh, there's a city bike uh, docking station outside my front door. Which means that I cycle now. I cycle to the comedy cellar, which is where I'm working most nights, and uh, with my city bike, which is you know obviously for those that use Dublin bikes, you know that these uh, shared bike schemes are pretty awesome. And so that's just a quick review of my scenario slash location right now. And uh, yesterday was 24 degrees in New York City, which was exceptionally strange. Um, and this morning it's back down to sort of normalish, uh, normalish weather. I may even be using you because I know I have more time to talk than normal because I'm stuck here on Clinton Street. But uh, I was thinking of a topic to talk about today and even though I still want to talk about guns, we kind of touched on that last week and it's it's so, uh, you know, it's so emotive over here but I think in Ireland there's just a consensus that it just doesn't make any sense because, you know, we live in Europe and other than Switzerland, you know, nobody has liberal gun laws like America. And, you know, we just don't have, we just don't deal with mass shootings a lot in the whole continent of Europe. So, 
it doesn't make sense to us at all. You know, I was talking to this girl from Texas two days ago, and she told me that last week she just went in and bought a handgun. Like, just went in, bought a handgun, and it was like nothing. Oh, 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 sorry. This is what she told me, which I thought was crazy. She said that when she bought the handgun, the guy tried to sell her a silencer. And he said, she said, but that's illegal. And he's like, yeah, well, here's the thing. You know, you want to protect your ear? You want to worry about your ears going deaf or you want to worry about getting a ticket? So he was actually, you know, pushing, breaking the law. You know, but just kind of, you know, real blasé about it. Like, yeah, well, listen, you know, of course it's it's illegal, you know, because, you know, silencers are for, like, assassins. <laughs> you know, like, silencers are for people who live in, uh, you know, who who are in, like, you know, Luc Besson movies. But, uh, but, you know, at the same time, what about your ears? You know, this kind of, you know, everything is just dismissed. That's It's the normality of it that baffles me. But anyway, obviously she did. Oh, oh, and then so then she buys this handgun. You know, I asked her why. She was like, because I like shooting, you know. But of course, she's she's fine with that. But she's also fine with like tighter regulations. Like she doesn't think it should be that easy to buy a gun, but she can. So she just did. I mean, to us, it just seems crazy that you could just go buy a gun. And even sometimes it's like when you think about it, you go, fuck, that would be cool. You know, fuck, that would be fucking cool, man. Just go buy a gun and then just go out in the woods and start shooting shit up. You know, there's something kind of exciting about that. But, you know, there's something exciting about thinking about doing heroin, too. But, you know, you don't want to deal with the uh, the consequences. So, uh so she buys this gun, and then the guy was like, hey, can I interest you in this? It's a little tiny gun. It'll just fit in your purse. And it was like one of those, I guess those little like one-shooters, like little tiny purse guns. He's like pushing more guns in her. Like like it's a, like it's an insurance policy for a television that you never really need, but they push on you. Like, hey, you want this five-year plan? You know? They're fucking upselling in a gun store. Hey, you want to you supersize that? You want to supersize that? It's fucking, it's crazy, man. And that's just normal here. So uh, anyway... I said I didn't want to talk about guns. I'm fucking still talking about them. I, I I guess I have to because it fucking, you know, yesterday there was this. Uh, well, Trump had his bullshit meeting where they talked about arming teachers, which is just fucking insane. Like arming teacher. Like my brother's a teacher. Like, you know, you think that like part of his thing is like, okay, let me prepare my lessons and then let me strap up. You know, let me bring my uh, my Glock. You know, when you, you you think about like all these rap songs, like, and I grabbed the Glock. <laughs> but uh, so that'd be like, you know, like, you know, it's like, yo, Mr. Bishop, put your gun away. You know, I just I think it'd be interesting hip hop, you know. So I grabbed the Glock and then I taught multiplication to all the young children of the nation. That's my station. I rock the mic. My occupation is to shoot mass shooters if they have an inclination to fucking open fire. Yeah, well, you ain't gonna make me retire. I'm fucking pulling out my gun, son. I'm fucking educating and I'm getting the job done. Uh, sorry, that's my little teacher, teacher Glock, uh, teacher Glock uh, freestyle. So uh, anyway, uh, I just think that's in, like it's so pandering to the NRA because most of society, well, certainly most of what we call civilized society um, does not have the amount of guns in, in rotation as America does. And America is the anomaly. So, like, change that and I guarantee you there'll be less of this shit. Anyone who argues against it is just an idiot, you know? And, you know, we, we, can, we can talk in a sec about one of the reasons why I think people are so hung up on the changing of the law. Because uh, I don't think they're bad people. I mean, I think they genuinely think that it's a good idea to have more guns in society. But this idea of arming teachers, I mean, it's just nuts. More guns, more shootings. Simple as. Clear as day. You know? I mean, all you have to do is look in Ireland how, like, there's clearly more guns in Irish society than there used to be, and there's more shootings. You know? And, uh, I mean, I don't know where those guns came from. I think, you know, I, I've I've done no research, but I, I'm assuming that a lot of, you know, that perhaps Ireland got more guns when um, after the Good Friday Agreement. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's easy ways for these guys to get guns. Anyway, let's not get, let's not, 
let's not uh, digress with that because you know, the truth is I, I really don't know what I'm talking about with that. So I'm not going to go down that road. But uh, anyway, ba- back to arming teachers. Uh, it's just unnecessary. Like, we do not need an armed society, you know? Like, it's just unnecessary. Most of Western society or, what you know, d- just lives without guns. There's just no need. You know, this like good guy, a bad guy with a gun, stop by a good guy with a gun. It's just a, it, the argument falls down every time. You've heard them all, right? I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard them. Like if, if you know, like loads of people in that crowd in Las Vegas had guns, they were powerless. You know, if one of them had realized that the shooter was up in that window and started firing at them, the cops probably would have shot them. Like it's chaos. Like it's an, a recipe for chaos, right? Um Obviously, you know about like if 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 a teacher had a gun or if so you know pulled out a gun that you know more people could have been shot. I mean, it's true. Listen, it's true. Like a somebody with a gun may have stopped that person, but more often than not, it'll either create more chaos. First, not to mention that like, are you saying that a a, a teacher should carry a gun and then have to shoot somebody? You know, I'm sorry, but like when I was a kid, I used to have nightmares about going to war. You know, there was a lot of Vietnam movies in the 1980s. And I used to have like these nightmares about like being drafted. And, you know, like that I would be unlucky that my, you know, in my late adolescence, early 20s, I'd be I'd be drafted and I'd be stuck in war. And how would I feel about that? And I used to have dreams about getting shot. You know, and how that would feel. Of course, it never hurt because it was just a dream. But, you know, I used to fear being in war. You know, I never I never wanted to be in a in a, you know, like shoot em up situation. You know, I fired a gun once when I was in the Boy Scouts. We went to the fine ranch. I fired a 22 rifle. And, you know, I, I, I like it was never like, yeah, man. I wish, you know, I wish I could go out and shoot deer, you know, uh, you know, I, I've never felt that the, I, you know, I don't understand the need. I guess, yeah, I know, I know it's a cultural difference and, you know, like some people don't feel the need for the Irish language. Some people do. So, okay. You know, I, I, I understand that sometimes just cause you don't understand a culture doesn't mean that it's irrelevant, but at the same time, uh, it doesn't rationalize a desire or sorry, it doesn't rationalize that your beliefs should require society to be armed just so you can hang on to this bullshit right to bear arms, which is just nonsensical. You know, to me, trying to follow the constitution that was written in the late 1700s, uh, trying to follow that to the letter of the law is the same as people who try to follow shit from the Bible, which was written whenever amount of time ago. You know, some people fucking following shit from the Old Testament. Like, like that shit has relevance to what we have today, you know? So to to follow this law, like like it's gospel from the fucking, you know, from a, from a time where, you know, these Europeans were trying to take over land from natives, complete disrespect for their culture, uh, is insane, you know? And uh, so... I mean, so I just don't understand it, basically. That's all. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I, I got. I got in a rant there, and then I got. I got distracted. Um, which is one of the pitfalls of doing a podcast in a car, where there's everything happening around you. So, long story short, I don't believe in the arming of teachers. Uh, it's 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 so sick here. It's so sick that these guys. I mean, yeah, fair play to Marco Rubio who goes up in the CNN uh, town hall last night and gets berated by all these angry Floridians. And he took it and, you know, he's, you know he, he, he put himself out there. But at the same time, it's like you can see the fear in his face, in his answers of, of speaking against the NRA. How has an institution managed to get this much power? You know, I mean, when you think about it, it's crazy here's the cop now here's the cop doing a check am i sitting in the car yes i'm sitting in the car that's right she's doing her little check making sure that we're being good citizens and sitting in the car for the alternate side of the street uh, parking day so uh the fact that the nra has been allowed to have this much influence it's pretty baffling 
You know, and there's just so much money in it that these guys can't say anything. And Trump, I mean, please, I mean, this guy's a total hypocrite. He, you know, he used to be for tighter gun regulation, but now he's like so in the pocket of the NRA, he can't say anything. And and I, I think in Marco Rubio's case, so Marco Rubio got $3 million from the NRA, which, I, you know, I think like in, I, either it's $1.3 million or $3 million. But in, in, in the big scheme of things, that's not that much by these like crazy political donations and, and super PACs. But I think I, I personally felt last night that Marco Rubio wasn't he wasn't worried about the money from the NRA. He was worried that if he was if the NRA decided that he was an enemy of the NRA, that he would lose his seat. You know? And I think that's insane. That an, an organization would have that much power. And then I wonder how the fuck, like, why did guns produce the most powerful organization? Like, it, 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 it shocks me. You know, I can understand if it was like the property owners association, you know, where, you know, so much of society is invested in property, you know, but guns, I mean, so unimportant. That's what's so amazing. So unimportant. You know, that's why we don't get it. Like in Europe, it's like, why the fuck do you guys care so much? We live totally normal lives with no guns. None of us really want a gun. I mean, sorry, a, a small percentage of us want a gun. It's so unimportant. And yet, you know, this thing holds so much, you know, gets so much airtime. It's crazy. So... So I, I just, it makes me very sad. So it brings me to a thought that I, I keep coming back to, which is I feel like part of it is down to identity, you know? So people have these irrational reactions to people criticizing a behavior or a culture. And they get so angry, even though one person sees it one way, another person sees it another. I mean, in some ways you could say neither of them are wrong. But people get so upset because for some reason, people's, uh, you know, these cultural things have become so deeply embedded in our beliefs of who we are that I think people think it's a challenge to their, their, their identity, their being, you know, and that creates, you know, very irrational responses. So do I have examples? Well, all this gun stuff is definitely one of them. People have started to tie up ownership of guns and gun culture into part of who they are. Um, can I think of another example? Well, I mean, clearly religion is another example. So people get very upset when people are critical of their religion, you know? And they also, um, they also don't want to look at negative things that are associated with their religion and I I think part of the reason why they don't want to admit those things is because they feel like it it, it, it will ha make them rethink who they are so obviously like sex abuse scandals in the Catholic Church would be an example of that and I, I you know I, I think that's why people were so resistant to accepting that this might be uh, an epidemic within the Catholic Church, you know, like a disease. Uh, I think it's because they 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 didn't want to have that part of themselves disappear, you know. So you do get these irrational responses, and I and I think too, uh, it's why the Me Too thing is hard for men, you know, because. So here's a thought that I had, because obviously I went to St. Peter's College of Wexford, and that became the epicenter of the Ferns Report, right? So, you know, I had a benevolent Catholicism growing up. I was an altar boy, then I was a, a lecturer, and like I didn't hate mass, you know. And I kind of like I look back with nostalgia at my early you know, at those early years of going to church, like it was, it literally was part of who I was and the Sunday mass and talking to people. I mean, in my last show in Ireland, I did some jokes about it, you know, my nostalgia for the innocence of my Catholicism as a teenager or as a young man and a teenager. And and when I went to St. Peter's, 
I, I did not lose, I did not gain a resentment for the Catholic Church. In fact, when I stopped drinking, and people at uh, meetings in Ireland would be so, so resentful at the church, like so angry, I, I did not get it. I was no longer like somebody that went to Mass, but I actually didn't understand the resentment against the church. And then the Ferns Report came out and the truth of my principal, Father Collins, being um, uh, being a, a, like a, a, a serial sexual abuser and, you know, years later also finding out that it was still going on when I was there and that I knew people that were abused by him and also that in one case I was like aware not 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 aware that somebody was being abused but somebody was struggling with something and I assumed it was something else and it was it was you know it was it was this you know he was being abused and you know I remember that he you know he would talk to um he would talk to a particular teacher. I'm not, you know, I don't want to say too much just in case, but, you know, and, and, and he's like, he literally was lying to me about what he was talking about. And now I know. And, you know, that was actually my first year in St. Peter's College was, was, uh, was the last year of uh, Father, Father Collins's reign. And, uh, sorry, Rain, he, he was the principal until, uh, 1991. And, uh, so I haven't forgotten that I began talking about me too. So let me just continue this story and then I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why I, I come back around to this. So, uh, just a little bit more on that. Uh, obviously immediately when all that Ferns report stuff came out, uh, like I was angry and you know in the early part of my comic career, I actually made a joke about it because we used to call Father Collins slinky and um you know I I asked guys like why is he called slinky and it was kind of like because he's like a pedophile or that you know there's something sneaky about him uh and but like I I really just assumed that that was like a, a joke you know and uh so um, when it came out, I was, you know, I was pissed off. And my immediate thought was like, why don't these teachers do anything? My resentment got deeper, though, when, uh, you know, Colm Tobin, the writer, he went to St. Peter's too. And actually, at his time, which was uh, a little bit before my time, a good bit before, Father Collins was a science teacher in St. Peter's. And I read an essay that Colm Tobin wrote about the Ferns Report, and it was actually about Father Collins, you know? And uh, so, Cullum Tobin, I think he kind of liked Father Collins, I think was what he was saying, but he was a science teacher. And then he was moved away from St. Peter's. And according to Cullum Tobin, I think he was saying that from the Ferns Report, it, he, he realized that Father Collins was moved away because he was, you know, abusing boys. Uh, in in St. Peter's, uh, I think in the 70s or certain, in the 60s perhaps as a science teacher. I think it was probably the 70s. And uh, before Colm Tobin had read the Ferns Report, he had a sort of a, a, a misguided sympathy for Father Collins because Colm Tobin is gay. And he, he, in his mind, he had seen Father Collins as a sad character who perhaps had repressed his homosexuality and in the midst of this, you know, institution of young men uh, had tried to normalize some sort of uh, fantasy or normalize his uh, arousal slash attraction to these young men. Um, and then, and then Colin Toby read the Ferns Report and he realized that he was completely wrong, that he that there was a sickness there that he could not understand. And, you know, when, when he realized the depravity of what was going on, the intensity uh, 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 of, of the behavior that was going on in St. Peter's that was widespread, uh, 
uh, also in the diocese of ferns and that this became some sort of like you know disease amongst these men uh that it wasn't that at all and that's when he began to resent father collins and have no sympathy for him now i am open to correction because this is literally just a, a remembering of this essay but in the essay i had never read the ferns report but in the essay colin tobin uh was talking about the summer of 1991 and basically the beginning of the end for father collins because this was post bishop casey 1991 this was the beginning of the of it coming out in a way that wasn't father collins is going to be sent to some other parish so let me let me step to the side in the summer of 1991 father collins called my house in queens now father collins was the man that i had spoken to on the phone the previous summer when through a collection of crazy uh, coincidences slash family dramas uh, my family had begun to look at sending me to ireland to go to boarding school now i i have to tell people that you know i asked to go my cousin fiona had put the idea in my head she was visiting from waterford and she put the idea into my head while she was helping with, with, with some summer school math homework maths homework and she put the idea into my head because my mother was obviously had been talking a lot about where was I going to go to school the following year after flunking out of St. Francis Prep. So when I heard this, I was like, awesome, because it was loads of shit going on in Queens, in my house, you know. And uh, I just was like, I was looking for a little escape, you know, the first of my geographical cures for my, my ills. And I put the idea into my mother's head, which she laughed at first, and my dad my dad probably liked it straight away because he had these romantic notions about going back to Ireland. But uh, as it turns out, Fiona's dad, who was like just on it, um, kind of quickly connected us to St. Peter's. That's where he had gone. And then my godfather, who was Eamon Doran, or Eamon Duran, as we say here, uh, who would later open a bar in Temple Bar, but that was just a coincidence. But he was my parents' best friend, and he was my godfather. Uh, God rest him. He died in 1997. And uh, he had a very close friend uh, who lived in Wexford, Dominic Kieran, and once the mayor of Wexford, also recently passed, sadly. And uh, so between all these coincidences, we decided to pursue St. Peter's, which was a boarding school. It was kind of cheap. And Father Collins, I remember talking to him on the phone, and uh, he said, uh, you know, we chatted and whatever. And then I think I've told the story on this podcast, but just to put it all into context, when I walked into St. Peter's, Betty Kiernan also past i mean such a lovely woman i i almost can't say her name betty cannon without getting upset she was one of my irish mothers i've had a few irish mothers over the years a few uh wonderful women that looked after me uh, you know when i was away from my family but betty cannon was a very special woman i was very sad when she she passed away a few years ago uh and uh she brought me you know it's amazing really when you think about it she, I'm just some random kid who's like a friend of a friend's kid, <laughs> you know, like, like a lot of degrees of separation. And here she is. She's, she's taking me to drop me off to this new place. Uh, I think it was the last month of August. Uh, just as an aside, I actually had gotten drunk that morning. She didn't know that, but I had gone to a pub. I was 14 years old. I had gone to a pub called the Mayflower in Wexford and had four pints of Guinness and lied to them that I was uh, on my holidays uh, and sat there at a bar on my own and had four pints of Guinness. But I was fairly, I, was, I had sobered up to a degree by the time I got to uh, to St. Peter's. But um, I uh, arrive at the door, she drops me off. And I think I've told this story, but Father Collins there to greet me. And I remember Betty said goodbye, and then he walked through. So if you know St. Peter's, there's like a little opening sort of foyer. It's a beautiful old grand building. And then when you walk through the first sort of welcoming. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The first sort of, uh, there's a there's two rooms on either side and a hallway. And then when you, you walk through that sort of, that wall or, you know, that, that it was opening, there's a, a big stairs up. Uh, and to the right of the stairs, there was a gap that led through to the school, which was like an, a new building. But the, 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 that was the sort of connector from the old building to the to the new building. So there was, it was kind of narrow by the stairs. And in that narrow section, which was kind of like private, Father Collins says, Now, uh, there's a couple of words in Ireland that are different to the way that you would say them in America. One of them is the word fanny. It's not the back, it's the front. That's what he said to me. And I, li- I, I, I didn't even register how fucking weird that was. You know, I didn't register the weirdness of this, this priest saying this to me. Uh, it was quite handy, actually, because then I knew. Well, I, you know, actually, it, it wasn't that important because we don't use the word fanny for ass in New York. You know, it's kind of like a word of yesteryear. Uh, so I probably would have quickly realized that uh, Fanny is, uh, you know, um, the oh, the woman's privates as opposed to the word for ass. Uh, and I would have learned that quick because it's still in rotation in Ireland. Whereas, you know, you just don't hear Fanny that much in New York. You know, you hear it in other places, I guess. But uh, other than Fanny Pack. So that was Father Collins' uh, first sort of uh, sentence to me. So in the summer of 1991, this man who I had spoken to on the phone, uh, you know, nine months previous about coming to Ireland for the first time or 10 months previously, called my house and said, oh, uh, I'll be visiting uh, New York on July the 4th. I'd love to come over and meet your parents and say hello. Uh, so, of course, I, I thought this was absolutely fine. My parents were delighted to meet the principal of the school that I went to. They hadn't been to Ireland. They hadn't they hadn't been there to connect with my school or my new way of life. You know, it was, it was kind of odd. You know, there was an oddness to the, the fact that I was living this other life and they knew very little about it. So, in a way, it was like a blessing. They were going to be able to meet the principal. So, we organized Father Collins to come visit on July the 4th. And he came early enough, I remember. And uh, sat around, and uh, it was fine. And then my Uncle Jack was having a barbecue. So we invited Father Cons to come with us. Sure, wasn't it great? No, the, 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 the priest coming with us. And, of course, we were delighted, and we're also very Catholic, and this was great. And uh, then it, it, kind of a memorable day because my, my Uncle Jack's, I think he was a friend, or maybe he was a, a cousin on the other side, my Auntie Anna's cousin. I, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure the guy's last name was McGowan. That's also not important. But it turns out he was like Father Khan's second cousin. So how fucking Irish is that? You know? Uh, he was related to Father Collins. Fucking weird, you know? And uh, so it was a memorable day, you know? And it was a good day. And that was that. Father Collins was no longer the principal after that. I had no idea why. Father Quirk became the principal. Father Quirk would later... Uh, stop being a priest and I remember Father Quirk being a decent enough guy I don't know what happened to Father Quirk actually but I know that he stopped being a priest and he got married uh, so um, I never knew why Father Kanza stopped being a priest until I found out about the Ferns report and I found out that he was a pedophile and uh, then I read Cullum Tobin's article and in a quick synopsis I guess of his description of the depravity of Father Collins. He talks about the trip that Father Collins took to Florida. Um, he was sent to some sort of uh, 
clinic, sexual clinic or rehab. He was sent to some sort of behavioral place in Florida by the church for his, this is according to what I read in Colin Tobin's thing, by the way, uh, for his uh, behavior. And he was on his way to that place when he stopped at our house. And, the, you know, then I, 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 I just, the, the, <laughs> the audacity, the, 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 that's when I really, I mean, I already saw him as a sick bastard, but that's when I really understood the evil. That goes. I don't know where the evil comes from. I don't know what the fuck goes on in the minds of these people or why so many of them became priests. But the evil to sit there. And, you know, I told my dad, I, I don't think it was after that, but at one stage I said, you know, that guy was a pedophile. And my father, who, by the way, was abused by a priest, said, I knew it. I could tell. I could see it in his eyes. Now, whether that's true or not, that was my dad's reaction. And then my brother Mike said that he remembers he was fucking looking at me weird, like he was creeped out by it. Now, of course, memory's a funny thing. You know, you say one thing and then you start to connect, but, you know, it was weird that this fucking evil bastard was, like, so in our proximity, you know? And my resentments then ran deeper for the church. And I remember uh, going to visit St. Peter's once, and uh, I bumped into... um, I bumped into uh, a teacher there. I won't name them. I, I, you know, I'm I, I starting to have like deja vu. Like I think I might have told the story. If I have, I'm really sorry. But um, I bumped into a teacher there. Uh, I remember where I bumped into them because it was out the back, which was more developed than when I was there, I remember. It was a little bit different. And um, I I said to him, how could you have not done anything with all the horrible shit that was going on here? Because it was more than just Father Collins, by the way. And he told me that he had no idea, absolutely no idea. You know, and he said, these children's parents didn't know what was going on. You don't, you know, you don't think it was being kept from us? And, and I didn't buy it. At the time, I just was like, that's bullshit. And I knew some people knew it was going on because people had reminded me that another priest uh, was seen like pinning Father Collins against the wall that, that year, 90 to 91, my first year, pinning him to the wall, um, like physically violent. And, you know, the assumption is, and this is just an assumption, that. Uh, that was because he had found out that this shit was going down again. Uh, and I'm assuming that this this other priest knew that this was probably not the first time. So, you know, you would assume then that people knew. But anyway, when this teacher said that to me, I didn't accept it. Um, and, you know, I'm assuming that this feeling of sort of guilty by association that those teachers must have felt fucking horrible. But I didn't accept it at the time. Uh, And I guess all that long story, the point was that for all those people, like people like my mother included, who had dedicated their whole lives to a devout faith to Catholicism, particularly in Ireland where Everything was about being a good Catholic and not being a sinner. And, you know, there was so much hypocrisy going on around that. But that, that, that the hiding of anything that went against the, the, the Catholic status quo was so intense that you, you know, you have so much darkness, really, you know, in terms of people's emotional development and, you know, like, you know, the, just the relationships and sex, you know, so much darkness created by this rigid uh, morality uh, that to find out that it was bullshit or that it was flawed or that the people that were purveying this message were, were evil, that's a lot to take in. Because your whole fucking identity is wrapped up in it. And no matter how fucking dark it is, the shit that goes down, it fucking 
it make you sick because you think that your beliefs and your morality are who you are like that i think we feel that you know that's part of who we are it's like so are you telling me i'm a fraud no it's a sick feeling so of course you're gonna you're gonna well i think your initial reaction is you're gonna rebel against it you're gonna be defensive you're gonna um oh this one's giving this guy a ticket i'm sorry for getting distracted by it but um you are gonna rebel and 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 you're gonna get defensive and uh and I, I, I think a, d- a degree of it is uh, is completely understandable, you know? And uh, I just, I, I, I cannot concentrate with, uh, now she's checking the ticket of the one behind me. So she's checking if, uh, if it's still good. And when is she going to give him another one? Or is it recent enough that she doesn't give another one? This is interesting now to learn the dynamics of uh, ticket giving. But no, she's not giving another one, it appears, and she's walking away. So, um, sorry, I shouldn't allow that to distract me, but it's, 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 it's one of the two reasons why I'm sitting here. The second reason is to talk to you guys. So I guess I have to give it 50% of my attention. Uh, Man, this is a long way to explain about people getting very fucking defensive about things that they consider part of their identity. So, I thought about that teacher when the Me Too shit started coming out. That's that's my whole point. I thought about that teacher, and when he said, I didn't know what was going on. And when these articles started coming out about, you know, shit that was going on. Well, first in entertainment, I felt a degree of separation because it's like Harvey Weinstein's like, these are people that are not in my universe. But, you know, then there were some articles that came out. And I've mentioned them before about like shit that goes on in comedy and asshole promoters. And, you know, one or two female comics are like, what, you don't, you don't know that that goes on? And I was like, no. No, I don't know that that goes on. And, of course, they were like, how could you not know? And I was like, exactly. It's fucking baffling to think, how could I not know? It's It will be impossible for you to understand how I could not know. And you won't accept it. And that's fine, because I was the same. You know, I was the same. You are just blind, because it's not happening to you. Now... The other side of it is a lot of men get defensive. I mean, I I guess I get defensive too because you don't want to be part of that team, you know? And now I get sometimes why some of these Catholics got so defensive because they don't want to be part of that team. And uh, I just gave the cop a wave there, so it seems like it's okay. But uh, she's probably looking at me going, why the fuck is this guy talking into a microphone? The alternate side diaries. I think I should probably change the name of this podcast to the alternate side and uh, just do them while I'm, uh, you know, doing uh, while I'm waiting in my car. And then if um, if 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 there's no podcast, then I'll just say the alternate side is suspended. But, uh, you know, uh, yeah, and that that that's why you, you don't want to be associated you don't want to think it's possible. So, so in a way, it's half of the world, right? Men, but they, you know, they. It's just a weird thing where you don't want to be on that team. You know, you don't. You feel guilt by association, and so the automatic thing is to react and be like, "No, men aren't like this." You know, uh, but ignorance is bliss, and you can fight it, but eventually, you know, if you're aware. Uh, like they say in AA, like once you go to AA, it fucks up your drinking for life. Because even if you go back drinking, you fucking know, you know, you know. So now it's like you can argue all you want. You could go and fucking leave horrible messages on people's Twitters, but you know, you know, you know that this shit goes down, and so it can be hard to swallow. 
And, uh, you know, I've noticed a few things now, now that I'm aware, you know, like uh, two very benign incidents. One happened during the summer uh, and one happened just the other night in, in, in Rite Aid. And uh, um, a friend of mine is, is staying from Ireland uh, in my apartment and she was in Rite Aid and she came over to me and she was like, this, this guy just said horrible shit to me, you know, like was like abusive to her. And, uh, but she was like, don't worry, don't say anything. Don't say anything. So I was like, which guy, which guy? And, uh, so it was this guy over there. So he's, he walks by and I made, you know, I was saying like, so what the fuck did he say? I noticed he's not saying anything now, you know, cause I'm like a man and I'm full of fucking testosterone. And of course he just sheepishly walked around the corner, you know? And I was like, man, there's like a whole army of these motherfucking men that are just like, when no one's looking, they're abusive to women. You know? And now I know. I mean, I knew that there was abusers, but now I know this shit goes on all the fucking time. You know? And uh, it fucking... It, it, it annoys me that I didn't know. But now I know. And... I guess my final point about identity is that we shouldn't be so fucking hung up on these things as part of who we are. You know, we should be open to the fact that our identities are going to evolve and nothing is concrete and we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have to rely on these belief systems so deep that when they're challenged that it feels like they're rocking us to the fucking core of our identity. You know, because that's too strong. You know, because, you know, like... A, a, a sense of belonging is a huge driver of like human behavior. You know, we, we want to belong. We're like social. We want to be part of something. But I, I just don't know why it always, you know, like a, a sense of belonging comes with a set of beliefs. You know, I thought that was part of how we were evolving was we were moving away from this sense of a sense of belonging comes from a set of beliefs. But I guess we're not. They're just the beliefs are changing, but we're becoming just as tribal. With fucking gun laws and with uh, um, abortion and, you know, pro, or like, are you for abortion? You against abortion. Therefore, you know, we, we are not the same. Um, and, and now it like, you know, the Me Too shit. So you get a lot of guys, like some men think that like you're a cuck if you, you know, agree with it. And it's like if you if you say like, oh, yeah, men are horrible. And it's like, no, 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 I'm not a cuck because I'll actually defend, you know, I'll defend shit. You know, where I feel like it's gone too far or I feel like like somebody's being passive aggressive or 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 abusing the current atmosphere for their for their own needs. But that doesn't change the fact that the, the core message is is true. And it doesn't affect me as a human being, you know, and 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 I can be ashamed that uh, aspects of my 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 you know uh, uh, percentage of my gender has be, has behaved in a certain way but it doesn't change uh actually it, what what I'll say is rather than get defensive about my identity it's an opportunity to grow you know as 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 a gender you know cuz some of this is about individuality and some of it is about groups of people so as men we can grow, you know, uh, but you have to be open to that and you, you can't be defensive or sorry, you can be defensive, but, you know, you got to try to question where is this coming from, you know, and if you can question where it's coming from and get to the other side, then you will grow, you know, and, and, and the other thing is that sometimes it feels like an us and them thing, you know, so, so somehow it's, you know, somehow it's like, you know, you see that with the liberals and conservatives. It's like, liberals like this, conservatives like this. Like, everyone's looking for a victory all the time. Like, what does the victory do? What does the victory do? You say, yeah, I'm right, so, I, I'm, so I'm, that's who I am, you know? But, like, what the fuck is being right? You know? It, it, that, like, it, it doesn't... You're not, not, not going to be right all the time. Like, your conservative beliefs are not going to be right all the time. Your liberal beliefs are not going to be right all the time. You're not going to be right all the time. So you got to be open to the times when you're not right. To check yourself and then go, okay, what can I learn from this? You know? Like I give an example, like conservatives focus on family. 
you know and like you can resist that and all that but then at 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 at, at you can say, well, conservatives' idea of family is too rigid, but actually, the concept of family and that concept of, uh, you know, togetherness of a of a of a family unit, that shit brings positive stuff. So, not everyone's not all right and everyone's not all wrong. So, why the fuck are we so divided on all these issues and not willing to sort of learn from each other and grow? So, you know, in the end, this sense of belonging—it's such a driver, but it can drive us to be so fucking negative you know so defensive about the things that will that will that we think are bringing us together and in fact they just drive us further apart yeah i don't know if that makes sense but this is the shit i'm trying to make sense of lately uh and and i can't make sense of it and in a way maybe these things are in, intertwined you know the sense of like in ireland the catholic church was a real binder you know that was real like it was real clear Morality was clear. Shit was clear. And that's gone. And in the midst of that confusion, everything gets thrown up in the air. How the fuck does it land? You know, it's hard to know. Uh, and I actually wrote that down. I wrote it down um, in my uh, notes for the things I want to talk about in Australia about how I've always felt that, you know, as as religion loses its place in society or certainly the the the... People are more questioning of religious dogma and the belief systems that come from religion. That we're going to have to come up with a shared consensus on right and wrong, like a new morality for the modern age. That and how that shared consensus is created uh, is unknown to me. And and I feel like part of all this stuff that I'm talking about, and part of this division in society and the anger on the internet, is because we are not reaching a fucking modern consensus on what is right and what is wrong. And because, you know, for some people, they don't have like a religion to hang it on that uh, we're literally just like getting bracketed into, you know, new rigid belief systems that are just as toxic. Because... If you're not following the belief system, whatever that might be, then you're wrong. So instead of you're not going to heaven, now it's just like you're not part of us, you know? And that, that, that to me, is that, that, that's not good, you know? The, 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 like we don't all have to believe the same thing, but like part of that shared consensus should be mutual respect for people's beliefs. But it's not going to happen. I mean, it hasn't happened in the whole fucking history of humanity. How the fuck's going to happen now? In the end, we can turn on each other. In the end, we can start fucking killing each other. That's part of hum humanity. So I don't know why I have any hope. I mean, I have hope that I think for more of the time, it should be positive. But then I don't live in fucking Syria. So... You know, I think this is just like a Western privilege to be able to fucking have these conversations. You know, because we're not in like a survival time. We're in like a leisure time. You know, we're in this time where we have where we have time to fucking ponder this bullshit. <sighs> fucking alternate side of the street parking rules. Too much fucking time to think. That's part of the problem. You know? I think Things That Make You Miserable by Des Bishop. Too much time to think. Number one. Two. Too many choices. <laughs> choices, I always say, are misery. You know, it's better to have... If you have limited choices, then, you know, there's a simplicity that uh, will give you peace. I mean, I'm kind of... I'm sort of half joking, but at the same time, I think there's a truth to it, you know? Um. So an hour and three minutes into this fucking me talking to myself, I mean, I I I would have liked to have stayed focused a bit, but I got distracted by the. Uh, I got distracted by the cop, and I sort of lost my train of thought. But hopefully, I please hopefully. Uh. Not please, but hopefully you guys got something out of it, and. Uh, I mean that's really it, you know. I I I still have uh 
25 minutes to wait, but I think that you guys have had enough. You know, I can't, I can't see uh, me adding anything more to this conversation. I think maybe I should have, uh, maybe I should have just like, decided to tell a long version of the St. Peter's story. It would have been like a more focused podcast, but um, I, you know, the be- what I talked about at the end, you know, I, I feel like that, that perhaps is the beginning of something, like the new consensus on, on right and wrong, but that was a bit, it was a bit ill thought out. But I, I, I think that's where that's, that the main things I'm going to talk about in Australia are going to be like consent. Like I liked, I liked our, uh, like our chat, it was me talking to you guys. But I liked our discussion about consent. You know, I think there's a lot in that uh, for the modern age, and uh, so I'm going to be talking about that. And uh, anyway, you know what? I, I'm just going to get off because uh, you know we're done. We're totally done. You know, it's been a good chat. We're into uh, we're into a good number of weeks now where we've, you know, we, we've been doing it on the regular. And um, so thanks to everybody for listening. And also, uh, you know, don't, don't be afraid to tweet it out and, um, you know, pass it on Facebook, you know, post it up that the Des Bishop podcast is back on the regular. And, uh, at Des Bishop Me on Twitter. Uh, by the way, if anybody has any suggestions for topics or anything like that, you know, don't be afraid to uh, to to fire it along. Um, I also had talked to uh, at Sex Shopper um, recently after I had mentioned it in one of my podcasts. She contacted me. So uh, in the future, I can't say when, but in the future, myself and uh, at Sex Shopper are going to do at least a couple of episodes, a sort of a. Uh, you know, uh, perhaps you know some sort of um, some some sort of uh, thing, but we'll we'll see. You know, there's no guarantee, but because uh, I don't really know her, but but I I, I I like her vibe and I like the stuff that she posts. So uh, so keep an eye out for that. And I, I'm 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 actually only saying that to sort of remind me that that's a thing, because otherwise, like life gets moves on fast, and then boom, you know, it's gone. Um, I'm in. Long Island this weekend. Friday night I'm in uh, Belmore in Governor's Brokerage, and then Saturday night I have two shows in Maguire's in uh, Bohemia and Suffolk, and then the weekend after that I'm in Boston. So go check that out. And then uh, Patty's weekend I'm in Caroline's, and then I'm going to Australia, March 18th for six weeks. So uh, I'll get the dates up for my Irish shows, those those shows in June, and uh, I'll get them up ASAP. And uh, Instagram me at Des Bishop or Snapchat me Des Buffer. But you know, uh, a bit of feedback on the type of subjects that you like, or even a bit of feedback on if you prefer when I'm just talking to myself, or if you prefer uh, interviews or a mix. Which I mean, it's going to be a mix, um, uh, especially when I'm in Melbourne. When I'm at the comedy festivals in Australia, I'll be talking to loads of comics. But uh, any suggestions for other things that you'd like, please let me know. Uh, and, um, so we'll talk to you soon. I'll get this up, uh, in 20, well, in 20 minutes, I'll go and get it on my computer. I should have it up by 10 a.m. New York time. So 2 a.m. Irish time, or p.m., sorry. So, uh, hopefully I've gotten the time right. And you're listening to to this right around Thursday afternoon. And then you're spreading it around the internet, uh, by Thursday evening. And um, so until the next time, here on the Des Bishop Podcast, at the alternate side of the street parking regulations episode, we will see you the next time. Thank you so much for listening. Our producers have been uh, Des Bishop and Des Bishop, and our contributors and writers were Des Bishop and Des Bishop. And uh, thanks to all of them. And uh, we'll be back with the news after the break. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.